Even a quick glance at her bio would tell you that Nasheen Liu never backs down from a challenge. At 19, she left her native China to study at the University of Heidelberg in Germany. Not only was she living on her own for the very first time in her life, Nasheen had to learn a whole new language. Also, it, it was also during a, a time major political events in both China and Germany took place. The Tiananmen Square protests for democracy and the falling of the Berlin Wall in 1989 were both pivotal events that reshaped the two countries and the world for the better. As a young, passionate university student living in those times, I was torn between wanting to do something to change the world and getting used to surviving in a new world. So my initial goal was just to work hard, get my degree, and see what else might lie ahead. What lay ahead was a move to Canada, where Nasheen was offered a spot in a Germanic Languages Master's program at the University of Alberta. The only catch, she had to pass an English as a Second Language test within six months in order to qualify. Nasheen, now fluent in German, knew no English. But she had a pretty high-profile English teacher. Oprah introduced me to conversational English. Um, No joke. Yes, I practiced a ton with people around me and went through plenty test books, but my daily ritual of Oprah watching was instrumental to my successfully passing the exam in six months. So the learning here is that we all have to find what's working for us individually. Never be confined by what should be. Nasheen passed the test. She entered the tech world in 2000, talking her way into a job that was looking for 10 to 15 years of tech marketing experience. She had none. 20 years and lots of tech experience later, and Nasheen is partner and senior vice president at IT Media Group, a successful company that she helped to form. Nasheen Liu, on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. Today I'm uh, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I'm at home in my in my home studio where I have the opportunity to chat with Nasheen Liu, who is partner and SVP and CIO program strategy of the IT Media Group. Nasheen, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and joining us for an episode today. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, well, I'm really excited. And it was a mutual uh, friend that kind of put us in touch with each other. And I'm just glad that the day is finally here. I know with schedules and uh, rescheduling, but here we are. So I think let's just get started. Um, I love your background. I think it's it's so uh, so unique. So you you were born and raised in China and you started university there. But then at 19, you had the opportunity to move to Germany for your studies. Um, I'd love to talk about two things. One, um, what made you decide to take that opportunity? And then two, what was that experience like? Sure. I was born to two university professors who had majored in German literature in the 60s in China for no apparent reason. So growing up, they made it their mission to pass on their torch to me and convince me to pursue German at university. I had an opportunity to go to University of Heidelberg in Germany when I was 19. It was quite an interesting experience because That was the first time I was truly living on my own in a new country, a new continent, Um, having to speak a second language 24-7, making new friends, learning to cook and fending for myself, basically. There was a small community of Chinese students and visiting scholars at the time 
who I learned, who I um, really leaned on as my support system. But I also had to adapt very fast and acquire many survival skills on the fly. Um, you know, we're talking late 80s and early 90s. Things were a lot different then. First of all, internet wasn't quite a mm. thing yet. The world was not as open and connected. And as a result, some people I met weren't as open-minded and curious about the rest of the world. Citizens and foreigners were perceived and treated very differently. Everywhere I went, I was welcomed, but also reminded that welcome is extended for as long as I'm a visitor. For the first time of my life, I was made aware that I was different, and sometimes changing the perception is very hard. Also, for the first time, I learned that in order for people to accept me, I must embrace my differences and be comfortable with the discomfort. I was also, it, it was also during a, a time major political events in both China and Germany took place. The Tiananmen Square protests for democracy and the falling of the Berlin Wall in 1989 were both pivotal events that reshaped the two countries and the world for the better. As a young, passionate university student living in those times, I was torn between wanting to do something to change the world and getting used to surviving in a new world. So my initial goal was just to work hard, get my degree, and see what else might lie ahead. Wow. So what an incredible time to be there and uh, to experience that. And then also, of course, thinking about everything that was happening uh, back home and and the effects that that was going to have have on your home. Um, I think I love what you said about uh, embracing your differences to try to make a difference. I think I think that's that's really uh, a great um, perspective to have, especially at uh, at a pretty young age. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I'd love to. So from there, you actually, I think, came over to Canada Um, So again, you're going to yet another country um, that speaks a different language. Um, How did you end up coming to Canada and what was that like for you? Yeah, so I had been living in Germany for two and a half years. An opportunity came my way to go to Edmonton, Alberta, the summer of 1991. I didn't know what's next for me, but thought I'd make the most of the opportunity. At the time, I didn't speak any English and had no idea what I was getting myself into, trying to navigate another new country on another continent. One day, I was just walking aimlessly and very bored on the University of Alberta campus. There was hardly anyone there because it was in the middle of July. I stumbled on a faculty building that had a big sign of Germanic languages and literature. My eyes lit up. I figured there's got to be someone there that I could communicate with in German. I ended up meeting an older gentleman in his office who happened to be the faculty chair. He was on duty that day and almost fell off his chair when I greeted him and introduced myself in German fluently. Our conversation lasted over an hour, and by the end of it, he was pretty much trying to convince me to join his master's program. The only condition was that I had to pass the English as a second language exam in six months in order to qualify for a teaching or research scholarship. So once again, I was faced with a challenge of gigantic proportions, settling into another new country, having to learn a third language and pass the exam in six months. I was 22, 
didn't have much to lose. I took up on his offer. One day I turned on TV and Oprah was on and I was hooked. Oprah introduced me to conversational English. Um, no joke. Yes, I practiced a ton with people around me and went through plenty test books, but my daily ritual of Oprah watching was instrumental to my successfully passing the exam in six months. So the learning here is that we all have to find what's working for us individually, never be confined by what should be. So fast forward a couple years, I got my master's degree and had to make a decision about what's next. Um, should I pursue a PhD or try to get a job that's not related to my field? Canada was just recovering from a recession and there were hardly any faculty positions available and I decided to find a job. Wow. Um, so I want to, I want to hone in a little bit that um, what, what uh, seems to me to be an incredible accomplishment is so in six months, you became fluent enough in English that you were able to then get your master's in English. Yes. And I was teaching a class of 30 students, German with English. That is so incredible. of course, you know, I, I wasn't perfect at, at the start. I still am not. But um, it, it was funny, you know, usually when I was teaching, I could tell people's reactions on their faces. And sometimes, you know, I just see these funny smirks and just people were trying to be polite and not to laugh out loud. But I'm sure I've used so many wrong expressions along the way. But, you know, I guess I get, got the message across. Yeah, I guess so. And I also love that Oprah uh, was instrumental in, in helping you helping you with, uh, with the language. Um, I think uh, I when I think about it, I think what, what a better what better way is there than, you know, that kind of conversational shows like Oprah had. Um, so that's pretty, that's pretty cool to me. Uh, so I'd like to kind of maybe skip ahead a little bit now and, um, I'd love to hear, you know, a bit about your career, but also what led you to start IT media group and kind of go uh, a different way. Yeah. After moving to Toronto, I realized a master's degree in German literature pretty much renders me useless in the career department as luck would have it, I got my first break with a tour and travel wholesale company. I got hired simply because my ability to speak German was an asset as the company had a significant German-speaking clientele. I was with that company for six years, progressing through a variety of roles and was grateful for the experience. During that time, I was also a curious observer of the dot-com boom. Um, that's happening in the high-tech industry. I didn't have any tech background, but I had this pent-up energy, curiosity, and desire in me to learn and be challenged and, and knew that I was meant to do something more with my career. So in the early 2000s, applied, I applied for a um, field marketing manager position at a software company. The position called for 10 to 15 years of technology marketing experience, which I had none. It took a lot of persistence on my part to get an initial interview. Luckily, I hit it off with the hiring manager who was willing to take a chance on me. I think when he asked me why he should even consider me, who was clearly underqualified on paper, I spoke from heart. I, I said, Look, if direct in industry experience is your number one criteria, then I'm not your person. 
But if you're looking for someone with work ethics, the ability to learn, adapt fast, and never shy away from a challenge, then you should give me a chance, and you won't regret it. That was my first foray into the technology industry. Ten years and three tech companies happened since. I had industry and regional responsibilities, held national and global roles, and team and leadership positions. I, I thought I was happy with how my career was. Progressing, but a voice inside of me kept begging to differ. You should be in charge of your own destiny and find find problems to solve and create more direct impact. It said, so the time came perfectly when Sun Microsystems, the company I worked for at the time, was acquired by Oracle in 2010. I met with. A friend and industry associate for breakfast. He was retiring as a senior executive from Canada's largest IT publishing house at the time. We had collaborated a number of times previously while I was at Sun and built mutual respect and trust. We thought that together we could create something truly meaningful. Shortly after that breakfast meeting, he introduced me to our eventual third partner. An award-winning writer and editor for a number of Canada's top technology and business publishers. So the IT Media Group was launched in 2011 with the mission to help enhance the collaboration among the Canadian CIOs and between the CIO community, community and IT vendor community, through the power of content connections and conversation. Oracle became our first client on the same day we registered the business. And IBM and HP soon followed. So nine years later, we have a strong community of over 2,000 senior IT executives across Canada. Hundreds of CIOs have participated at our roundtables, workshops, research studies, and video interviews, and really benefited from that peer-to-peer -peer insights and network. And our leadership team and our CIO advisory board. Are instrumental for providing guidance on compelling issues and topics for CIOs and the IT vendors that serve them, ensuring that the company remain relevant and valuable to both communities. To date, 95% of our clients are Fortune 500 companies, and 100% of our business comes from referrals. We continue to listen to our communities and make ongoing improvement to our services. For me. Fundamentally, the biggest reward is knowing that I'm making a difference, and through what I do, I help other people to be successful. So that's that's pretty incredible, and uh, um, I love I love that uh, you know that that you you saw this this need. Um, you went out, you did it. That you your first client came on the on the yeah. day you you kind of launched. You had your first client. Um, I think that speaks tremendously to a couple things you said, and one of them is around you know always being curious and your strong work ethic and um, and your desire to to have an impact. Um, so that's pretty incredible, and I think that leads nicely into what I'd like to ask you next, which is really so now you know. Um, and as you've mentioned before, even you, you've had leadership roles and global roles and national roles, and, and you're responsible for other people now and teams.、Um, so, what does it mean to you to be an authentic leader? I think it means owning who you are, but always thriving to be better. The ability to connect with people by truly listening to them with the intent to understand and to help. 
it, it also means less lip service and more lead by example. And, and ultimately, an authentic leader can inspire ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Incredible. Um, and I think, I think actually that goes, ties right into, um, to my next question, because I think you need to be an authentic leader to be, um, to be a mentor and, and be good at that kind of, uh, that kind of role. I'd love to talk a bit about, uh, how mentorship has played into your career, both in terms of mentors that you may have had, and also now as a mentor yourself. Yeah. So in terms of mentorship in my career, honestly, not enough. Because I was on my own at a young age and moved across three continents by the age of 22. By default, my go-to person had always been myself. I was brought up to believe that hard work equals success. While hard work is absolutely crucial to being successful, it's not everything. So when I got into the workforce, I was always a top performer good at connecting with people of all levels and was well-liked and respected. I was attentive and interested in learning from others. I also enjoy providing others with advice and guidance. What I had neglected to do was to actively seek out mentors and sponsors to help me. As a result, there were times where being a top performer just simply wasn't enough, and I was passed up on promotional opportunities a couple times that could have brought my corporate career to a new height. So for that very reason, and since the inception of the IT Media Group, I have made it a personal mission to provide pro bono coaching, mentoring, and sponsorship to my network and referrals from new grad to senior executives. In 2019, last year alone, between myself and one of my senior partners, we've helped over 40 people. Wow, it's incredible. <laughs> That's great. What a what an amazing way to kind of give back. But I like how where you're coming from it is that it was uh, a gap that you that you see now that you had coming up through your own career. So helping other people kind of fill that gap, um, and then just see what they can do and what what that leads. Uh, their potential and what it what what it could be. Absolutely. So now we're kind of at the the final question, the formal part of the podcast, um, which is a question we ask all of our guests, and I love it because we get different answers every time. Some have very similar themes, of course, but always a little bit unique. And so that question is: if you could go back in time and have lunch with a younger version of yourself, maybe it's you know your first day in Germany, or maybe it's before you even left for Germany, what kind of advice would you give? Um, so really three things I would say to myself, first of all, actively seek out people who can coach you, mentor you, and are willing to champion you at all stages of your career. And number two, be relentless in your pursuit, but never at the expense of your health. And, and lastly, the, the most scary thing in life is not failure. It's regrets. So don't deny yourself the opportunity to try. Amazing. I love it. So that is kind of the wrap on more of the formal questions. But now what we have is something that we added this year, which is called the fast three. And basically, I'm just going to ask you three questions. Would love to get your thoughts on it. Um, and it's kind of our way of building a great reading list or source of information. Um, so the first question is, what is your favorite podcast or source of information? Okay, so 
I have to admit that I'm not a big podcast listener, but I do like everything I had a chance to listen to on Run It Like a Girl. Hey, thank you. I yeah. love it. The the stories are so interesting, and I especially like the wide spectrum of women represented on your podcast. They're from all walks of life and so many different industries and backgrounds. Very inspiring. Well, I love that answer. That's my favorite answer to date. So uh... thank you. <laughs> and what are you currently reading right now? Um, a couple books, actually. One is called 10 Rules for Strategic Innovators from Idea to Execution by Harvard Business School Press. And the other one is a wellness book written by Dr. Sanjeev Chopra called The Big Five, the, the five simple things you can do to live a longer, healthier life. Ah, cool. And the last question is, who do you draw inspiration from? My, my family and my friends um, all inspire me in different ways. But in the recent years, I have to say, I really draw inspiration from the community and my dance studio, Attitudes Masterclass. I spend a great deal of time after work and on weekends there. I've met so many wonderful people who inspire me every day. Dancing and performing have not only reignited a passion from my childhood, but also enriched my life in so many ways. So it's definitely my happy place. Love it. Uh, well, Nasheen, I just want to I want to thank you again for taking time out of your very busy schedule to sit down and, and talk with me. I've absolutely loved our time together. So just thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bonnie. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity. Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. The producer is Brian Long. Technical and web assistance from Dan Moak. And music by the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk. On the next episode of Run It Like a Girl, space and its endless possibilities have always been of interest to Miriam Michael. She completed a bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering at Carleton University in Ottawa and has worked in collaboration with the university on showcasing science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, the STEM subjects, to students of all ages. She also started a mentorship program that matches high school students with engineering students. As a project management engineer at the Canadian Space Agency, she is currently working on the Radarsat Constellation Satellite Mission. Miriam Michael on the next episode of Run It Like a Girl. <laughs>